The big ear, you got to fill it up for me. Ah, good God, good God. So this morning as uh, I was praying, I had, my message was completed, and I just, I prayed, and I asked the Lord, I said, God, is there a, you know, I don't ever want to overlook the gifts, and I said, God, is there a prophetic word that you want to bring this morning? Is there a prophecy that you have for somebody this morning? And so I'm praying this prayer, and as soon as the, the words finish leaving my mouth, I get a text from the prophet. I get a text from Charlie Sweet, and he had a, he had a prophetic word. So I'm going to read that to you today. And so here's a little cliff notes on my whole entire message. He summed it up. This is, what he, this is what he said. He said, God whispered this to me this morning for the saints in your church. If you attach your security to stuff found in the world, it will never be enough. I'm trying to read it like Charlie would read it. <laughs> it will never be enough. Our security rests in Christ because he chose us and he desires intimacy with us for us to be connected with him. Jesus did not go to the cross for a nobody. We are a somebody in Christ. And he will perform what he began in us to the very end. You are already there. Do not miss what God is doing. The kingdom of heaven is here. He already brought you from. He already called you by your name. He already put his favor on you. He already made you. Do not miss it. The kingdom of God is within you. Amen. 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 Wow. It's wow. a good word. Yeah. Yeah. It's cliff notes on my message. It's a good message. <laughs> So listen, we've been talking all about identity. We've been talking about this, who you say I am, who God says I am. And we've been talking a lot about what other people say and how sometimes what other people say we can allow to define us. But today I want to know, today I want to talk about, I'm not even in the right thing. Glory to God. I'm so excited about what God's doing. Today I want to talk about what God says about me. What does God say about me? What does God say about you? What does God, who, do, who does God think you are? And here's the hard part, guys. Do we believe it? Do we believe what God says about us? And do we live our life like we believe what he said? God has said some pretty outrageous things about you. They're outrageous. He said some pretty outrageous things about me. And if they're true, and they are, then it should change the way that we live. It should change the way that we think about ourselves. It should change everything about our life. Everything. Not a few things. Everything. 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 Everything I am is different. Everything. It's all different. Do we live this way? Or are we still living in the past? Let's look at some scripture. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. 
You're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. You're a ma- every single one of you. You're a masterpiece. A masterpiece. What's a masterpiece? This is the, this is the famous painting that you hang in the, the best place in your house. This is the famous painting that you hang on the wall in the museum behind bulletproof glass in a spot where the light can't shine on it so it won't ruin it. You are a masterpiece. Come on. New Living Translation. New King James says, I am his workmanship. I am his workmanship. Passion Translation says that we are his poetry. Ooh. I'm poetry, guys. Not poetry in motion, not poetry. I'm just poetry. Okay? I am his handiwork, NIV says. God. Let's read it again. The fourth word there, right? We talked about masterpiece. For we are God's. We're his. We're his. We're his. You're his. You're his. We're God's. We belong to him. Let me tell you something. God doesn't make mistakes. God has yet to make a mistake. It's not in his nature. It's impossible for him to make a mistake. God has not made a mistake. God does not make junk. God doesn't make junk. He doesn't make mistakes. God makes masterpieces. You are God's masterpiece. Start acting like it. (laughs) Does a masterpiece walk around like this? No. Come on. Come on. You're, You're God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that God planned for us long ago. He created us and made us all new so that we can do the things that he planned for us long ago. We'll get to that. What else? 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You are special. You are special. You are important. You are a special people. You are important. Seven billion people on the planet, you're important. You know, with as busy as we are as Americans, with as uh, fast as we all move through this thing we call life, and as often as people ignore us, God will never ignore you. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. You're important to God. And he always has time for you because he's omnipresent. He's He's everywhere all at the same time. He's in every single place always all at the same time. It's kind of... It's one of those things of God. How can we understand that? And so 
Too often, we associate the way people are with us with the way that God is with us. Too often, we believe that old song, God is watching from a distance. God's not watching from a distance. Like nothing could be further from the truth. God is not so somewhere way far away. He is right here. He's with you. You are important to him. He wants to know everything about you. He wants to know what's on your heart. He wants to know what's on your mind. I mean, he already knows, but he wants you to share that with him willingly. He wants you to come into this place of prayer and just begin to share and pour out your heart sometimes. Too often we find we find ourselves lacking because of prayerlessness. God, know, God knows each one of us. He knows us by name. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our passions. He knows what tempts us. He knows our struggles. He knows our successes. He knows our failures. He knows our weaknesses. There's nothing about you that God doesn't know. Nothing. Nothing. There is nothing hidden about your life. You can't hide from God. David says, Psalm 139, if I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, in the uttermost parts of darkness, even there your spirit will, is with me. Even there your hand will guide me. Come on. There's no place that you can run from God. There's no place that you can hide from God. He's already there. And so we have this thing in our mind, and I'm going to share it with my mind, and you guys can tell me whether or not it's in your mind too, right? We have this thing in our mind, and we ask the question, if he already knows about every, everything about us, and he knows my lack, and he knows this, and he knows that, then why is there still lack in my life? Why is there still need in my life? Because he wants us to ask. He wants us to come and just spend some time with him. And he wants us to pray. It's really all about relationship. He wants us to get back to this place of relationship. He wants, he wants to give us everything that we need. The Bible tells us, it says, pray. Jesus said, pray like this. Give us today our daily bread. Today. Today. Give us today, this day, our daily bread. Then tomorrow you pray, God, give me today our daily bread. Then on Tuesday you pray, God, give us today our daily bread. Then on Wednesday you pray, God, give us today our daily bread. Then on Thursday you pray, God, give us today our daily bread. Then on Friday, right? You guys see where I'm going with this? I don't want to be here all, all, all year. <laughs> daily. God, I have some needs today. Fill my needs. God, God, lead me not into temptation today, right? Because that was in the Our Father, right? This could be our daily prayer. God, lead me not into temptation today. God, lead me not into temptation today, 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 over and over and over and again. And as we ask, God answers. As we ask, God answers. God, forgive us of our sins daily. James says, if any of you lacks, if any of you lacks, this is what James says, if any of you asks, lacks, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Who's in lack? All right, don't put your hands up. I know, I just put my hand up. I'm, I'm baiting you guys. Who's in lack? We're all in lack. You know why we're in lack? Because of prayerlessness. We need to pray more. We need to get with him more. We need to get with God more. God thinks you're special. God thinks you're important. 
Jesus. Psalm 103, verse 12. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. He's removed our sins. God says, I'm forgiven. God says, I'm forgiven. God believes, God, God sees me as forgiven. If we repent, God forgives us. Repent means to rethink. We need to rethink our life. We need to think the way God thinks. See, rethinking doesn't allow us to just think of some new, in some new pattern. When we repent, we give up our old way of thinking and we take on the way of thinking that Christ gave us. That's repentance. And so we repent and God forgives us. He's like, yeah, I understand, you know, you used to think the wrong way and you used to do the wrong stuff, but now you've repented and now God forgives us. Sometimes we need, we need to forgive ourselves. Too often, God's ready to forgive us, but we're not forgiving ourselves. We hold ourselves bondage because, ah, I did that, and you know, how could God ever use me? No. There's forgiveness with God that he may be feared. His mercies are new every morning. Come on. We need to forgive ourselves. We need to forgive others. Forgiveness is huge with the Lord. Forgiveness is huge. Every time, almost every single time, in the Bible, when it talks about having more faith, we just read uh, the real faith in our healing group. Every time it talks about having more faith, it says, forgive others, forgive others, forgive others, forgive others. When it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, oftentimes, many times it says, forgive, be filled and forgive, 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 forgive. It just keeps coming at us. Why is it always there? Why is it always surrounding all of these scriptures? Because faith can't flow through a channel that's choked up with unforgiveness. You got plumbing pipes in your house, right? I live in an old house and sometimes we got to go through and we got to fix pipes. I hate plumbing. It's the worst job ever. Like I'll do anything. I'll play with the electricity live before I'll play with plumbing. (laughs) What's the worst? I'm going to get shocked. Plumbing's terrible. And so you take apart the pipe and, you know, you've got this pipe that's about this big around, right? But on the inside of the pipe, it's all corroded and it's filled with gunk over the years. And now it's only holding this little, about this much go through. And then we wonder why our drains won't work. Then we wonder why faith can't come because we're choked up with unforgiveness. Unforgiveness chokes up the flow. We've got to get unforgiveness out of our life. It, it, can't, it won't flow through that. It, it, it can, but it's going to be a much slower flow than if we're completely forget. Listen, people offend me daily. Daily. Daily this happens. Actually, I don't even know if it happens anymore because I'm not offended. Do you know that if you're, never, if you're not offended, it's very hard to know if somebody's offending you? Someone said something the other day, and it struck me, and I thought, oh, I should probably be offended at that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but I'm not. I mean, I refuse to be. I, I literally, I refuse to be offended. I, it's not that I'm not going to deal with it. I'm going to deal with it. I just refuse to be offended. Amen. I refuse. I absolutely refuse. Jesus was unoffendable. Now, I'm not unoffendable. You guys can do things to offend me. I'm not going to tell you what they are. (laughs) But I'm getting there until we're completely unoffendable. Why? Because I don't want to choke up the flow. 
I want God to be able to flow through me. I want faith to be able to flow through me. I want his Holy Spirit to be able to flow through me. We've got to get rid of unforgiveness. God forgives us. God says we're forgiven. God says if we forgive others, then he'll forgive us. And, and we, we just need to do it. We just need to forgive others. We need to forgive ourselves. Ephesians 2.19 So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. God says I'm family. God says I'm family. God says I'm family. I am a child of God. I'm his son. You're his daughter. You're his son. You're a child of God. Your family. Your family. God, let me read the word again. Let me read the prophetic word again. If you attach your security to stuff found in the world, it will never be enough. Our security rests in Christ because he chose us and he desires intimacy with us for us to be connected with him. Jesus did not go to the cross for nobody. We are somebody in Christ, and he will perform what he began in us to the very end. You are already there. Do not miss what God is doing. The kingdom of heaven is here. He already brought you from. He already called you by name. He already put his favor on you. He already made you. Do not miss it. The kingdom of God is within you. Family. Kingdom. Jesus Christ is King of Kings. He is the King of Kings. Jesus said, My kingdom, follow me, guys. My kingdom is not from here. If it were, my my disciples would fight for me. But but now my kingdom is not from here. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's God's kingdom. King of kings, Lord of Lords, King over every king. King over every king. It's the kingdom above kingdoms, guys. This is the kingdom that we have already inherited. The kingdom of God is on the inside of me. And all I got to do is learn to let it out. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bring the kingdom, whatever heaven looks like, that's God's kingdom. Bring that kingdom here on earth. God gives us the full resources of his kingdom. It's, he, he's, the, he's the king. You're, we've talked about some of the, some of the, uh, uh, the uh, at, attributes of God. We talked about some of them. He's, um, he's omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere is all at the same time. That's God. He's given us that power. And so if we know everything, and if we have power over everything, then what are we doing, guys? <laughs> we haven't embraced the kingdom fully. We haven't, re- we haven't realized how to let the kingdom out of us. And we haven't prayed often enough, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, because if we're operating inside of God's will, all power is ours, all knowledge is ours, 
everything's ours. God will give us the full resources of his kingdom to accomplish what he's trying to do in the earth right now. He will give us the full... Re- Guys, they're not listening over there. Listen. <laughs> God will give us the full resources of the kingdom to accomplish his will here and now. God will give us the full resources of his kingdom to accomplish his will here and now. It's incredible. Do you understand the resources of God? The, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. The gold is mine. The silver is mine, says the Lord. It's all his. I don't lack for anything. I lack for nothing. Why? Because I've got a rich father. <laughs> and not my father named Rich. <laughs> I have a father in heaven and the cattle on a thousand hills is his. And the gold is his and the silver is his. And so if I need anything, I ask him and he gives it to me. Now, if I want something, if I want something, that's not a need. Talk about needs and wants later. Come on, he's willing to share his resources with us, but not apart from his will. We're family. I'm family. I'm family. I'm an heir. Hold up. I'm an heir. I'm family. I'm an heir. I'm an heir of the kingdom. The whole kingdom has been delivered to me. Come on, it's getting good. It's getting good, guys. Psalm 121, verse 8, you will be guarded by God himself. You will be safe when you leave your home and safely you will return. He will protect you now and he'll protect you forevermore. God says I'm secure. God says I'm safe. You know, I'm, I'm reading... Um, yeah, I, I know you guys know that I'm reading eight chapters a day. Right? That's something that the Lord told me to do. I try to do that. I don't always succeed. I don't do, you know, I don't get every day done. But so this week he had me read Lamentations. Anybody ever read that? Yeah, have a couple. No, most of you haven't because it's not a fun book. And if you've read it once, how many of you read it twice? Fewer hands. Fewer hands. Uh, I didn't wait. It's not a fun book to read. So God put me back there this week. And I think it was, yeah, it was this week. And so I'm reading and I'm like, wow, this is, I didn't realize it was this bad. Like, I, you know, it's been a while since I've been there. And I'm like, wow, I didn't realize it was this bad, this book. I'm like, this is bad stuff. This is horrible stuff. This is like stuff that we, we I don't even want to talk about. I mean, if you want to go and read it, read it, but bad stuff. And so the whole, cha- whole book five chapters, 20 to 30 verses per book or per chapter. And there's two positive scriptures in the whole, in the whole book. And one of them is, one of the verses is God, turn us back to you. That's positive. That's not, I mean, we're, I'm really like, I'm really giving the the scripture, the benefit of the doubt. When the prayer is God, turn us back to you. And that's a positive scripture. You know, it's bad, right? And then the other one, is in the midst of the ridiculousness of everything that's going on, the terrible situation in which they find themselves, here's the, here's the, next most, po- here is the most positive scripture from Lamentations. God says, do not be afraid. <laughs> so really, yeah, I mean, I'm really stretching it for it to be positive, right? But here, here's the point, guys, is that in the midst of all of this suffering, in the midst of everything going on, God says, don't be afraid. Do not fear. Listen, I am accomplishing something through what's going on. 
I know what I'm doing. God's never been surprised. Not once. It says God knows the end from the beginning. Before creation began, God saw how it would end and everything in between. Do not fear. Having all of that information, why doesn't God get us all that information? Because you wouldn't be able to handle it. And then you'd, you'd try and go out and change things. Right? We would. We're human. And so he's God. And so he just says, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid, guys. We, can, we shouldn't take unnecessary risks, right? We don't need to be um, daredevils or whatever, you know, crazy uh, adrenaline junkie type stuff. We don't need to do that. I mean, that's not what God's talking about. But we don't need to be afraid of what's going on around us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. God says, I am a new creation. I'm a new creation. Old things are passed away. Whoever I was before, that's no longer who I am now. I've been made new in Christ. I am his. I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. My past no longer gets to dictate what I can or cannot do who I will be or what I will become. My past no longer gets to dictate to me where I will go or how I will behave or what the future holds for me. My past doesn't get to tell me what to do. God tells me. My past doesn't get to tell me what it's going to look like from here on out. God does. Yeah. I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. You know, God spoke to me and he said, you're fantastic. I'm fantastic. Guys, I'm fantastic. And it's not pride, but you're fantastic too. Maybe God just hasn't shown you yet, right? John said, I'm the disciple that, as he's leaning on the breast of Jesus, that's why I do this. John said, I'm, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. Well, we're all the disciple whom Jesus loves. You just haven't figured it out yet. You're all fantastic. You just, maybe you just haven't figured it out yet. Hey, I'm fantastic, guys. I'm fantastic. I'm a masterpiece. I'm fantastic. Amen. Psalm 139, verse 14. Pastor Stacy read this last week. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. There you go. <laughs> Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. Can I tell you something? You are breathtaking. You are marvelously breathtaking. You are marvelously breathtaking. Marvelously breathtaking. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're gorgeous. And you're mysteriously complex. That means you're unique. You're unique. You're unique. Mysteriously complex isn't a bad thing. I thank God that I'm not anybody else or like anybody else. I'm me. I'm me. Listen, guys. I would make a terrible or second-rate Joel Osteen. I could probably pull it off, but it wouldn't be good. You wouldn't like it, and you'd probably stop coming. And I'm telling you that I would only be a second-rate Stephen Furtick. Come on. I don't know if he's that, that into it, but you get my point, right? I'd only be second-rate. 
only second rate, only second best. I could never be Bill Johnson or, or Billy Graham or Mother Teresa. I would fail miserably at all of those things. But you know what I can be? I can be Matt Medic. I can be the best Matt Medic that I can be. And if I choose to be anything other than who I am, you know what happens? The world gets shortchanged from having me. I'm a gift of God. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, I have to be very humble in order to be able to bring this message and not be built up in pride. Man, this is tough stuff. Whew. Lots of time in prayer, I'm telling you. The world is shortchanged every <laughs> the world is shortchanged every single time that you don't give the world who you are. Right. Stop looking at the way that God made you mysteriously complex as a drawback and start looking at it as a benefit. Start looking at it as a benefit. God made you the way he made you because he has a plan for you and a purpose for you and things for you to do that no one else can do. There's something that God has for you to do that nobody else can do. And if you go out there and you try to be me, you're not going to do what God created you for. And you're never going to be happy trying to be me because you can't be me. You can only be you. And so I use, um, you know, other famous Christian people, but we could easily substitute any worldly person in here. A LeBron James, whoever, I don't know who the celebrities are. I don't follow up enough. Cardi B, is that somebody? Uh, I don't know. I can't, so I won't. Psalm 139, I want to just, I want to, I want to, uh, Psalm 139 verse 16 says, I didn't have it written down, but it says, uh, you saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they were written for me, the days fashioned for me yet as, when as yet they were none of them. God wrote a book about your life before you were ever born, yeah. about everything that you would ever do. And God has a special plan and purpose for your life. And you can do things that nobody else can do. And you can find out what it is Simply by asking God. He wrote the book. Psalm 139, verse 16. He wrote your book. It's written. Go and ask God. Say, God, I don't know. You know, the first 47 chapters of my life, I'm 47, have been kind of, you know, questionable until now. What does 48 have? What's going to happen in 48? God, what's, what's up ahead? Come on. He loves to share. All we need to do is ask. We need to learn to listen. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. This is not, uh, there is no mistakes. We've said this already. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Again, the plan. Just go and ask, God, what's your plan for my life? God, what's your purpose? God, what would you have me to do? God, what's my gifting? God, where do I go? God, who should be my old person? 
1 John 5, 3 through 5. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. God says, I am victorious. God says, I have the victory. God says, it is finished. God said, it's done. God says, I have the victory. I am victorious. Having the victory doesn't mean that we get everything that we want in the flesh or in the natural. We have victory in the spirit. Now, the spiritual world does affect the natural world. We see this time and time again throughout the Bible. The spiritual world affects the natural world. So God gives us victory in the spiritual world. And when we walk out that victory in the spiritual world, we have victory in the, in the natural world. And so this is where, when in the natural world, we have trials, right? We talk about this often. We have trials we connected with Jesus, and Jesus gives us the victory so that through the midst of the trial, sometimes God doesn't take us out of the trial. Sometimes God takes us through the trial, but in the midst of the trial, we have joy. Listen, I have joy. You can't steal my joy. You can't take it from me. You're not powerful enough because it was given to me by God. And as long as I stay connected... I have the joy through the midst of the trial. It doesn't mean we won't suffer persecution, but when persecution comes, God gives us what we need to make it through. It doesn't mean there won't be storms, but when the storms come, we have peace. It doesn't mean that we won't have contentions in our life. There won't be these things that are like, ah, on either side. But what happens is when we get these contentions in our life, God gives us patience. It won't, doesn't mean that there won't be hostility, but when we face hostility, God will give us kindness to meet that hostility. It doesn't mean we won't see hatred. People will hate us, but what God does is he gives us love. And this is how we overcome. This is how we have the victory, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of his testimony. They overcame. Revelations tells us they overcame. That's us. We overcome. We overcome by the blood of the lamb, the blood of Jesus Christ, and by the word of his testimony. What did he say about you? What's his testimony about you? He loves you. You're special. He has a plan. You have a purpose. The kingdom of God is within you. The victory is already within you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to face, I'm not saying life's going to be perfect because I'm a Christian, but it's going to be good. It's going to be real good. You can't steal my joy, devil. Can't take it. How do we do all of this? How do we walk this way? How do we live like this? By knowing Christ by knowing him, by knowing him, by reading what the word says and by believing it, getting it down into our heart and saying, yeah, I am a child of God. Yeah, I am victorious. Yeah, I am special. Yes, I, God has a plan for me. Yes, all of these things are true about me. What else does the word have to say about me? Every line of promise. I mean, you could almost go through and read a line almost every line. I'm not quite that many, but often there's a lot of promises. There's way too many for me to continue this message. And so when we read something, 
right? We read this. Who is, who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes in the Son of God? And then we sit and we ponder on that scripture. He who overcomes is he who has the Son of God. He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's me. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. God, I, whew, God, I just don't believe. I'm not feeling, not feeling the overcoming today, God. Be real with the Lord. Come on. What scripture are you going to read? Let's pop back a couple. God, thank you for making me mysteriously complex. And you take that as a negative. We just spend time with God. Let him work through it with you. It's only in his presence. He wants to come and he wants to make us perfect. James, James 1 says uh, that you may be mature, that you may be perfect in all things, even as my heavenly father is perfect. So God wants to bring us to this place of perfection, but he can only do it if we're willing to spend time in his presence, if we're willing to spend time with him. He's the one who changes us. Listen, I could counsel you for a hundred years and I'm not even a counselor, so I wouldn't do that good of a job. If there was a professional counselor, the professional counselor could counsel you for 100 years, and you're still not going to be as good off as if you spent one moment in the presence of God. Amen. Just one moment in the presence of God. Just one. Look at, the, look, at the, look at Saul, who became Paul. He was a murderous Pharisee. One moment, in one moment, Jesus shows up. And the blinding light knocks him off his horse. And there's never been a more on fire apostle to preach the gospel to the Gentiles than Paul. Now it hasn't happened yet. I don't know of it. I mean, there's been people that have preached to more people, but I don't know if anybody's ever been more uh, steadfast than Paul. Seven times he received 30, uh, 40 lashes minus one. How many times was he stoned, shipwrecked? You, it's there. One moment, one moment in the presence of God. One moment. Jesus. John 3.16 says this. It said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, through Jesus, might be saved. Listen, God loves you. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for your sins and for mine upon the cross. Jesus went to the cross completely innocent. And in doing so, he took all of the sin of the world that would ever be committed upon his body so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could have fellowship with God, so that we could bring the kingdom of God here on earth. All of this gets fulfilled with the cross and none of it gets fulfilled without it. Jesus went to the cross with our sins. He forgave us of everything. And now we live with the righteousness of Christ. I am no longer, I am no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. I'm his. I belong to God. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to do that today. Pray this prayer. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I thank you for going to the cross and taking my sin on your body. I thank you for forgiving me of my sin and inviting me into a relationship with you. 
God, I give you my life and I ask that you help me to live for you all the days of my life. Give me strength and give me grace to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, you just became a Christian. You just made that decision to follow Christ. And I want to ask you to do something. If you're here with us, check this box on your card. It says, today I follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior for the very first time. If you're watching with us online, send me an email at info at redeeminglovechurch.org. And I will send you some information, whether it's online or in person. I'll send you some information about the decision that you made, what it means, and what your next steps are. And so if that is you, and you made the decision, I'm going to tell you your very next step is to find a church. If you like this church, we'd love to have you here. If not, please find another church. It's only in the midst of brothers and sisters in Christ that we're actually going to be able to grow in this thing called Christianity. And like we've said, God wants to bring us to a place of maturity. He doesn't want to leave us as babes. Amen? Let's get ready to take communion. We're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Beginning in verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep or die prematurely. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And so today, as we prepare to take the bread, let's just take a moment and let's just think about some of the places where our thinking is off, where we've believed the lies of, of someone else, of the enemy, and we believe that we are someone who not God didn't say we were. So let's just take a moment and let's just, let's just think through some of those things. And so every lie we've ever been told, it's under the blood. Jesus took it in his body and he made a way for us. Let's take this bread together.
And so as we prepare to take this cup, I want us to repent. And literally, I want us to rethink. Leave behind the old way of thinking and think the way that God thinks. Let us repent of who we believe that we are and let us think of who we are as God sees us. And so as we take this cup, let us pray that we would believe what God says about us. Sometimes we have to meditate upon a scripture that's hard for us to believe. And as we meditate, God will give us faith to believe that we are who he says we are. And so as we take this cup, let's just remember who God says we are and say, God, change my thinking, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's take it together. God, we want to believe what you say about us. God, I pray that you give us grace, that you give us strength, that you give us faith, that you would give us what we need in order to believe that we are who you say we are, that we can do what you say we can do, and that we'll go wherever you say that we should go. God, we thank you for who we are. We thank you that you made us special and unique, each in our own way. God, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Elizabeth, come on up and receive the offering.